Welcome back to Movie Issues. I'm your host, Leland, here with my good buddy, Brian. Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm in L.A. for the weekend, spending some time with some old friends, and I thought I'd put my uh, one of my oldest and best friends on the podcast, so no spooky this week. Uh, but uh, you, uh, I met you in film school. Sure um, did. We've been friends that long, um, uh, about 15 years now almost. Oh, my God. Ten, yeah. We're old. Uh, Over yeah, 10 years. Film school, we went to, yeah, so that's exciting. <laughs> You, of course, are still in the film industry. I do the films. Uh, I am not because I didn't enjoy it. And you do. I, I'd rather I do walk. keep trying to suck you in, though. <laughs> yeah, I do have I'm... this dream of like... Well, yeah, if you just let me do whatever I want, sure. It's an interesting job, but it's not out of the question. It's fair. Uh, we've done several things together. Some have been great. Some have not been so great. Yeah. We went to New Jersey. Oh, fancy New Jersey. Yes. I've never been to the... the um, the, the Garden State. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we went to Buffalo Gap, Texas. What a terrible place. That was one place. of the bad ones. <laughs> what a terrible, terrible place. Uh, we went to New Mexico for a while and shot some Breaking Bad stuff. We did. We shot some Breaking Bad. Yep. I never watched any of that stuff that we shot, but I'm sure it's great. I hope. I like to think you would like it. What, the stuff we shot? No, Breaking Bad. Yeah, I watched... I didn't, it wasn't for me. I don't like drug stuff, but... Um, I, I watched. Look, I was there in the present. And I saw what we shot. I don't need to relive it on screen. Look, I was there, standing outside all day. I know what we shot. Time lapse. We did. Yes. Well, you could explain that to them. We did all the time lapse photography for Breaking Bad. Uh, you for season three. You did it for the rest. Of <laughs> I did everything from, from the pilot on. <laughs> yeah, I only from did the season. pilot till the end. <laughs> I'm season three only. <laughs> season three only. Season three. The year of Leland. But. You did a great job. Sure. I love standing there outside. My favorite part of working with Leland is how terrified he is to break things. So he carries the lenses. I ask for a lens. He carries them like they're little baby bird eggs. It's like the last dinosaur egg on earth. Uh, When you're told, hey, that's two grand. Don't drop it. You're going to carry it like it's a baby bird. Most people don't. So I appreciate it. I also remember the time that one of the lenses flopped out of the camera bag. That was not my fault. <clears throat> I think I handled that well. Yes. <laughs> At the moment you did. Later, not so much. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> we went and shot that student college doohickey in Jersey, and they put me in handcuffs and put me in jail. Rutgers University. I never want to be in handcuffs again. That was <laughs> Really an eye-opening experience. Like I got really claustrophobic. Really? Yeah. Like, we never was, talked about that. No, it was really funny because the officer was like, "Some people pass out." I was just like, "Yeah, me. I'm gonna <laughs> drop. Get these fucking things off me." Like I, I, I didn't like it. Yeah, but yeah, we've done some work together uh, via the, f- the 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 film world. Yeah, and, we've been lucky enough to work together. And time. and that's you know kind of you still like it. I kind of am you know I'm I'm partially, but that's just kind of our history. Yeah, man. But what we do have in common, movies. Well, yes, we've always agreed on movies. Always. Always. All the time. Just like this. <laughs> Should we tell them how we live together? Ew, you make it sound so dirty. <laughs> no, we were roommates for about five years, yes. You, me, Ginger, uh, Gilligan. <laughs> The Are you talking about Mike? Marianne. Mike? Sure. He's one of, oh, he's I, thought, prof- I thought you were giving our other roommate a nickname. No, he's for the professor. I, you were just saying, because that's the group of... I thought you were... And if these people knew Mike, they would know how funny it was if that you would nickname him Ginger. 
<laughs> Moving right along. Anyway, uh, do you think Gilligan's Islands is a reference that can be made anymore? I um, mean, Pat, I mean, there's uh, our. I think our generation's probably the last. I think that you're probably right. would have a clue if you made that joke. Yeah, I think you're I mean, right. I don't because it's not like in the pop culture ethos. I don't anymore. think twenty year olds would even get the Three Island Tour no, joke. I don't think so. I don't. That's I don't weird. think so. You imagine we'll be living in a world soon where Gilligan's Island, I Love Lucy, like the you, Brady well, Bunch. Hope maybe. I Love Lucy might. I think. Well, I Love Lucy more. carries a lot more weight than Gilligan's Island and say the Brady Bunch. I hear you. I'm just saying. Well, we did have the Brady Bunch movie. Yeah, but even that's almost twenty years ago at this point. Is that right? Yeah, that can't be true. Yeah, it's true, man. It was like late nineties. It was our high school oh years. Did that like start this fucking reboot nonsense? But like, that was like one of the like original like reboot nonsense. Things, I, I don't right? know if reboot is technically. Well, what do you want to call it? it? Was a satire of the show. I mean, I mean, there is the the TV made into movie phenomenon that is struck into us still yeah but that like had such a gap between when it was popular yeah it's not like it's yeah not but like... i guess at the time when the brady bunch movie came out the the reruns of the brady bunch were still playing like you on, could like, still turn TV on Land or nick, nick at T- night yeah nick at night was still playing old shows not right. fresh prince of bel-air which is now considered an old That's show crazy. i mean it's Look, we all have gone Big Willie style. I understand completely, but sure. I it, it is weird. I, I digress. I, I, no, I just think it's odd that there's there's a world out there where like Gilligan's Island and the the Adams Family, maybe the Munsters and stuff like those aren't in the pop culture anymore yeah. as they used to be. What would be now? I mean, it, hell, even Friends isn't probably in the pop culture as much as it used to be. Our generation, because yeah. we were the Friends generation. What would you know? What, I wonder, what's now? I wonder how much of that is just our perspective being older. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but I don't think there's a bunch of 19-year-olds watching reruns of Friends thinking it's hilarious. I mean, there could be. Yeah, you know, I don't know, because I I loved the Cosby show and Cheers, and that's when I was, like, a little kid. And that's sort of what we're talking about. Right. You know what I mean? Like, Friends for 20-year-olds was on when they were 8, 9 years old. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I liked older shows, you know, so yeah. Yeah. That's weird. Just to think about it, I guess. And, like, the Golden Girls. It's classic. It still makes me laugh. It's on TV land. I mean, all that shit's still Yeah, but like I watched that when I was younger. Well, yeah, but it was on, though. Yeah. I mean, even then, that shit was in syndication. Like, hell, but fuck. I mean, Lifetime had like the Golden Girls power six hours a day. Like, I remember you and my mom would watch it. be like back to back. Golden Girls, you know, starts at four. You're just like, Jesus Christ. How how many seasons are these old bitches? (laughs) You have to help. So, what is the... Empty nest connection. Are there neighbors? Yeah, they were neighbors. Okay. Well, I don't. I can't believe this is where we're, this conversation has <laughs> went. <laughs> well, it had to. It oh, had did to. it? Did it, it did. have to? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The that well the. Yes, Golden Girls was first, and then God, the fact that I know this this fast bothers me so much. And this, this is, is why I love that, you. This is proof that my parents did not really have <laughs> too much of electra. They were like, "He knows right from wrong. Let the babysitter television just teach him everything." You know, like no, like the Golden Girls was a half hour comedy. Empty Nest was a backdoor pilot with a whole different cast. Okay, and then the dog I think was the same Dreyfus, and then. 
then the empty nest showed up and then there was a third show in the I I don't remember if it was NBC the or CBS. Golden Universe? It was, oh, yes. <laughs> yes. There was like a two-hour block on Friday nights, and they all shared the same universe because they would all bounce between each other's shows. Well, so there was four shows There was in another the show uh, called Nurses, I believe, that was the floor beneath the, the doctor's, doctor's empty nest yes. doctor. Yeah, so it was and like... And the, the receptionist would come down and Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what was the fourth one? I can't remember, but I know there was a... I, I want to say I think there was a fourth one. But they all bounced around on the I'm surprised those old bitches like, didn't end up at the doctor's office all the well, time. Well, he was a, pati- a pediatrician. Oh. Well, you got a doctor next door. Well, there was you that one it, episode you know? where Dorothy went to the pediatrician, <laughs> and she was like, but a Dorothy, I'm a pediatrician. <laughs> We've been drinking. Uh, <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> Before we get into the movie, because, you know, that's what we do here. It's January, it's the beginning of the new year, 2015, blah, 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 blah. Uh, So, was there anything in 2014 that stood out to you movie-wise that you remember thinking, hmm, well played. But let me give the audience a quick glimpse into your world. This is you, not fair. I, I think it is completely fair. I've known you for like almost 15 years. I don't I think deserve it's a disclaimer. Fair. It's not a disclaimer, it's just a... So, Brian... You like dramatic pictures with beautiful cinematography and acting. I think a lot of people like that. You just described (laughs) good films. You like good things. You Um, like it to look and sound excellent. You don't really care as much as, say, me and Spook do as far as, say, sci-fi, comic book, horror genres. They're not your cup of tea. If I you definitely, know. I. They're not, it's not a go-to genre, for right? Me. But there are a few things that I know that Absolutely. you personally enjoyed. I know you liked uh, 09's Star Trek reboot. You enjoyed that. I did. Uh, I made you watch Alien. I know you enjoyed the shit out of that. Uh huh. I think my favorite. I don't know. Well, I don't, it's not really sci. I think my favorite film this year was Snowpiercer. Well, as you should. And that's you know. What, do you, what would you call it? Sci-fi? Oh, sci-fi. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not, what do you call Hard sci-fi? No, no there's no spaceships. Okay, right, exactly. <laughs> right. It's sci-fi with gravity, which I like a lot. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's in my top five, I'd imagine. Yeah. It's not Guardians of the Galaxy, for sure. Sure. Which I can't stop watching. And I respect Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, I, yeah, I get it. But you, you, you like... For... I liked Boyhood very much. Oh, God. Three hours. I'm never getting back. <laughs> You're terrible. I'm shaking my head at him. I know you can't see a lot of the... Well, did you see Birdman? I did. I loved Birdman. Birdman? <laughs> I did. I very much enjoyed Birdman. That's cool. That, that was... You know, that's up there, too. I was, I was at a screening uh, last month for... I don't remember what the fuck I was saying. I was at something. And I was sitting there listening to two film reviewers behind me, and they were just hinting it up. Like, these two chickens were just going back and forth about what they thought was the best movie of the year. And they were doing the the whole Birdman and Boyhood, you know, all this Terrence Malick bullshit. They're like, that's the movie that really spoke to me. And I'm thinking, what did it speak to you? In what way did it speak to you? That, great. Now, here's my point. That could be 
the best movie of the year. Birdman? I'm just saying. For Let's sure. go with Birdman. I don't know if I would say it spoke to me, though. But, no, but okay. let me use that as an, an sure. example. So let's say this gentleman behind me, is he was talking about Birdman, talking okay. about how, oh, I love Birdman. It was so good, blah, 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 blah. He's going on and on about it. Now, I get that it's good, but is it a movie that you could, I don't know, have several rewatches of and enjoy it the same way? I don't know. I, like, I'm is, not a big movie rewatcher. Right. I'm not. Yeah. I'll re-examine something in five or ten years. Right, but but my example, not example, but my, my thing is like Boyhood. Sure. As beautiful of a movie as it is, and as poignant and all that bullcrap, are you going to have the same fun at Boyhood that you did watching Chris Pratt blow up shit? No, you're not. But if you're, and if you did, you're a sad person. No, no, no. See, to me, this is here's the difference. And this is maybe where I'll, I'll get in trouble. From who? No one gives a shit. No, no, no. It's the internet. This is the thing. <laughs> this is the thing. It's Moby Dick and the Hunger Games. Okay? You don't buy Moby Dick because you want to read it a thousand times. Some people will. Just like some people would enjoy Boyhood a thousand times. English professors. But for me, it's like... You know, and the only reason I would buy a DVD now is the same thing. It's like it's, it's the type of movie that I would want to share with somebody else. I, there's some shared cultural value to Boyhood that I don't get from Guardians of the Galaxy, and that doesn't make it better or worse. It makes it different. Okay. <laughs> I, well, I, I got nothing. But I mean, it, but it, it, there's so many parameters that you could judge a film on. I don't think rewatchability for me is the ultimate measuring stick. Uh, that, that's fair. I'm just saying. I look. I, if, I you know, I'm not going to gather a bunch of my my boys come over. Hey, let's get a six pack and watch Schindler tonight. Like, but again, <laughs> I mean, again, it's not a why, fun time. Why does that make it better? It makes it different. It's a beautiful movie. I'm not denying it is. I just don't think it's but, as entertaining as something okay. else. That's fair. You're not having fun at Schindler's List. It's not It's not always about fun. Life isn't always fun. Movies no, that, aren't only for fun. Yeah, and then why the fuck do I go to a movie? To get away from my boring life. Hence why I don't go see dramas a lot. I live dramatically. Why would I want to go and sit for another two Hold hours back and pay up. 20 bucks? Back it up. <laughs> You're gonna have to. It's not everybody knows you as well as I do. You're gonna have to explain to the audience how you live dramatically. I think was the quote. That oh, you I have. Um, I have close-ups, highlights, and a lot of shadows wherever I go. Oh, my, transition. My my life is like a film noir. I like it. We're just going to agree to disagree. Actually, we're not agreeing or disagreeing. I feel no. you have a valid point. I just, for me, a movie is. It's an entertainment purpose, and I don't and find a lot of And that's as valid as how I feel. No, exactly. It's not an argument. No, no, no. We're not arguing. <laughs> they would know if we were arguing. <laughs> as I said, I was up here for the weekend. I thought I'd be kicking around, do some stuff. So, as as one to do, we watched a movie. When we, we hang out, we like to do that. I wanted to make you watch uh, a movie that was brought to my attention through one of my friends a couple years ago, and I laughed hysterically through the whole thing. And I was like, well... I'll make you watch this old 1963 black and white movie because Spooky will not. I'm so glad you did. <laughs> so we watched tonight's, uh, no, 1964. Excuse me. <laughs> One year difference. All respects to William Castle. Uh, we watched the 1964 William Castle straight jacket 
starring the one and only Mommy Dearest herself, Joan Crawford. Now, I asked you during the movie, did you have any familiarity with William Castle? And you kind of blanked no. a little bit. No. Uh, and then I brought up Matinee, and you knew exactly who I was talking about. So yes. that gives you how John Goodman's portrayal of this character is now sure. more famous than him. William Castle's mostly known in the 1950s and 60s for the shock films. Like, he did a lot of B-movies, horror, dramatic, basically B-movie bullshit what we watched for the last 90 minutes. Uh, he, he had tricks. He liked to, like, he did, like, smell-o-vision. Like, like, a prompt would come up on... The rattling the, chair. Yeah, the rattling chair. Like, a prompt would come up on the screen. Like, oh, the, uh, the females on the screen is eating uh, ice cream. And you'd have a sniffer. You'd sniff it. Be like, oh, oh I'm sniffing vanilla cute. ice cream just like she That'll is. That'll come you know? around. That'll be back. Oh, yeah. Once this 3D drive is soaked up, yeah, we'll get the smell-o-vision. Someone, great. All Jim Carrey farting movies will now have gas. Yeah. Google Seed. You know, so like the, the seats would vibrate. He would electrocute the seats to give it like a little shock when certain things. He'd have theaters drop things from the ceilings. You know, he would very much invented the 4D experience in, in a weird way, especially if there was a 3D movie he did. So then it's really encompassing for the 60s, which is. What kind of traction did he get? With, like, how many theaters did he get to participate in? That? I have no idea. Is that why they don't do it anymore? I mean, just... I'm pretty sure it's a gimmick. I mean, sure. like you said, everything comes back. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it was more popular in LA, yeah. in New York, maybe. I mean, I don't know about Kansas. That's fun. <laughs> I like that. Uh, That's fun. But, you know, he was known for these kind of B, I guess, I, 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 I guess horror, but that's. Suspense? Put yourself in the 1960s. I mean, Would you have been suspenseful? Straight in... jacket is my only reference for uh, Bucktooth Bill Castle. <laughs> okay. I don't know if he has buck teeth. But sure, I'm going to call him Billy. Gonna we're going to go okay. Big Billy Castle. <laughs> Big Billy Castle. He I, was fat. I'd have to IMDB him to be sure, but I'm pretty sure this is the only thing I've ever seen. So I'm not sure I would describe this as horror. Nor did I feel any suspense. <laughs> But perhaps that was a aim and a miss. I don't know. All right. Well, anyway, so straight jacket. So the movie uh, the, the kind of starts off with letting you know that there there's this character played by Joan Crawford who is in her mid 90s, <laughs> I think. I think she... Lucy starts <laughs> off in her mid 90s. <laughs> She died in her 70s, and this is definitely in her early 60s. Um, if it's her late 50s, then goddamn. But alcohol, co- me. cocaine is a hell of a drug. <laughs> uh, uh, Lucy Harbin is, is, she's playing this character whose husband is stepping out on her for one night. Lucy's out of town for, I don't know, they didn't mention why she was out of town. Is it, where did you get one night? I got the impression that he... Did this quite often. Oh, I'm sure he did, but this is the movie takes place on oh, this one night. Oh, the night. <laughs> the right. night in question. Yeah. Uh, he meets up with an old girlfriend, brings her back to his house, starts banging her in front of his three-year-old daughter. Not like in front of her, in front of her, but they leave the door open, and apparently the daughter sleeps it's in the living room. pretty much as in front of, as you without like moving her over yeah. on the couch to make room. <laughs> you know? Um, they did it with the lights on. Right, right. Which is weird. Well, you know, this is the 60s. Maybe that was a thing. <laughs> but so Joan Crawford uh, comes back not, a, a day early, essentially, to catch her husband. Now, what makes this movie kind of semi-famous for this particular scene slash role for her is that 
she was not William Castle's first pick for the movie, but she came to the table and said, I can bring all this kind of stuff to the table, and he met her halfway. Like, I guess there was like a $25,000 was given to her up front. Um, From PepsiCo? There was product placement from Pepsi-Cola being put in, which, I mean, if you know your film history, she was one of the first people that, you know, got product placement into movies. Look, it would have happened eventually. She just happened to be one of the first few that did it. So so that says something about where her career was. That she if had that power, if, yeah. No, no, not, oh. no. I, in the other way. So clearly she had some, like, like Pepsi-Cola power. But if... If Bucktooth Bill <laughs> has somebody else in has to be convinced to use her with her Pepsi money. I I don't know. What does that say about where she was? Well, I mean, in the at the end of the nineteen thirties, she was considered box office poison. Um from I think from the end of the thirties to nineteen forty five, she had a string of nothing. And then she did Mildred Pierce and one best actress, and then sure. you know, she was on top again for a little bit. But what makes this movie really funny to me is that she would not allow a younger actress to portray her in the flashback scene. In Didn't the, need one. That opens the movie because it takes place... The movie opens 23 years earlier from where the movie goes. So it shows this old Joan Crawford dressed up like a 28-year-old, give or take, uh, with a wig on a pound of pancake makeup mm-hmm. and enough fog filters to make even Sybil Shepherd blush. Yes. And it is comical to watch a 60-ish woman run around acting like a 28-year-old. That first woman. scene is really a lot to take in. <laughs> it's a lot to take in. I think <laughs> not so much the fact that when she gets home from her long trip with no luggage, I don't yeah, know yeah, where she's been. Yeah, she, had, she had a cigarette and a purse. A cigarette and a purse. It's, and she came from a train. Yeah. Which apparently this station is at their house, it looked like. <laughs> she walked a bit. She, uh, clearly. In a day dress at night. I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> but he immediately snoops into her own window for some reason. Well, I think she saw her husband's car home and she thought she, he would be sleeping. And she'd kind of maybe tease him at the window, give him a little show. I'm reading I don't between think the that's lines. A thing. I'm reading between the lines. Leland, have you ever went to a lover's window like that? <laughs> no, that'd be creepy. Yeah, yeah. You get restraining orders for things like well, that. Well, it's Joan Crawford's thing, not mine. Wow. Uh, she does look into the window, see that her husband has uh, been sleeping with an old girlfriend. She sure does. She snaps. So uh, she she he, she grabs an axe, goes inside, and uh, cuts off the, her husband and his girlfriend's head, and proceeds to. Ax them for quite a while. Another terrible parent that will not close the door. Yeah, yeah. The daughter sees this all this. This poor it's girl just... <laughs> just has to listen to her dad pound the slut <laughs> in their bed. <laughs> and then when they pass out, after they can shoot their loads and pass out, Whoa. she finally gets back to sleep. And then her geriatric mother comes home <laughs> and fucking axes two people to death. Seems perfectly rational to me. Uh, yeah, that's 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 the opening of the movie. That's then, a tough night for a six-year-old. Yeah, well, and then credits begin. Like this is all before the credits. It's a weird flick because from that on, uh, it's now twenty-three years later, and Lucy is being released tentatively out of the mental hospital back into the world. They figure that she yeah. is okay enough. 
She's on psychopath trial period. Right. Uh, so she returns home to her brother and her sister-in-law. To her so. brother's farm. There you go. I was yeah. trying to think. I'm like, home? Nope. What's Who that? had been ra- raising her daughter. <laughs> raised her daughter, Carol. And Carol, you know, that's kind of where we pick up. And the movie itself is about Lucy trying to get back into social normality normality. i'm trying to think of the words then not yeah i'm like you know that thing you do yeah it's like a circle of life kind of thing uh they're trying to get back into the normal and um they're trying to introduce her back into the wild (laughs) they've tagged her ear (laughs) and they they think i think we got this one what what do they tell you during the movie (laughs) joan crawford doesn't want to be fed she wants to hunt oh yes (laughs) which it's a shame she's dead i have by the perfect idea for we won't get into that let's let's now joan crawford in the movie now she is an accomplished actress now in 1961 she did whatever happened to baby jane have you ever seen that Mm -hmm. she's amazing in that for all the wrong reasons i'll be honest with you i love it but it's for all the wrong reasons Um, i mean she's always a little she is giving 125%. 125%. She is. Like, what did you use the analogy that in the drawer of acting tools? <laughs> yes, what, yes. what is it? What is it? If, if actors were tools in a toolbox, she'd be a sledgehammer. Right. <laughs> Not unlike Faye Dunaway's portrayal of Joan Crawford in Mommy Dearest, she starts eating the set from the corner and proceeds to eat the set, the the location the other actors out of frame like yes. but the frame isn't even framed correctly because Joan Crawford at this time is so worried about her oldness that in her contract she's having um, all you know bird eye view shots yes they're all from on a step ladder for some reason <laughs> she's it's out of focus bizarre. in every shot every shot. She has eye lights that are basically blocking all the fat and oldness from her neck and head. I disagree. Well, None of that was blocked. <laughs> None of it was blocked. They were attempting. <laughs> but yeah. it's 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 odd bit such for a woman who is it's a little disorienting, to be honest. Let's 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 be realistic. She's probably not doing the best work of her life at this point in her career. This is a B movie. She's making But she's trying. She, but that's my point. She she's is. making ends meet. She knows she's in a shitty movie, but she's giving yep. it a performance. Do you think it's hubris of her to come on set and demand them to do all these things for her even though she's not a I mean look, she's not Meryl Streep. I, I think get, she you, earned it. I'm not disagreeing that she didn't earn it, but do you think it's valid for her to make such a thing about it? Or do you think some of the lighting guys are Listen, like, Listen, it's not Cecil B. DeMille. It's Bucktooth Bill Castle. <laughs> <laughs> All right? <laughs> you know, yes, she can have whatever she wants. All right. I'm just, I'm just wondering. Okay, let me ask you a question. Though. Oh, sure. Let's imagine for a second it's in focus. <laughs> the lighting is even close to normal. Right. And they don't shoot her from a stepladder. Oh, well, Mum the ever-living. <laughs> Is it is it good? Is the movie good then? <laughs> well, she looked like that when they took her out of the wig and makeup. <laughs> well, what I'm saying is her request I don't seem to have affected the quality of the film. <laughs> if anything, it's enhanced it a particular experience for me in my life. So I'd like to extend this gratitude fair. to Miss Crawford. I'm sure. From the grave. She's judging. Yeah, she, <laughs> she 
She's been dead for like 60 years. So but. thank you for your ridiculous request that entertain me <laughs> constantly through this. And can I just mention... Oh, mention whatever. Maybe my favorite Joan Crawford thing. Oh, sure. She loves to turn her back to the camera and spin and deliver a line. I'm going to try that in real life. Instead of when I'm vomiting on people. I'll do that with your girlfriend. That'd be so amazing. Just spin. <laughs> She'll be like, Perfect. what's going on? I'm going to do it at Starbucks. Fuck it. <laughs> can I get you something? Spin. Iced coffee, please. <laughs> But if they ask me two questions, I'm faced the wrong way. Right. You, I don't you know what to do. Do you spin around again? I spin around until I'm trying to go ask me again. <laughs> <laughs> but that is that old directing uh, or old acting uh, suspense acting kind of style. Sure. That, like, dun, dun, dun. What? Oh, this guy. I, I oh. don't know how these podcasts go because we're just going. I'm sorry. Because we're not even getting started yet. But the music... The telegraphing of the suspense. Well, back in the day, I don't think they had eyes. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. The visual medium of film allowing you to see what's happening yeah. did not work here. Well, it was like, we needed music cues to let you know when things were dramatic. Yeah, but it was way early most of the time. Yeah, I'm not saying it was a good timing. If you are going to watch this, look out for the suspenseful toothpaste scene. <laughs> it's a 45-minute scene where a man... <laughs> Starts to undress, but never does. That takes ten minutes. Then he walks into the bathroom, and he thinks the door shuts. So he explores that possibility for ten minutes. <laughs> then we get to the real suspenseful part. The height of the music of the film is when he puts toothpaste on his toothbrush. It's, it's, it's fair. It's my really? scene of the film. Well, okay. Well, <laughs> also, in 62, when Dr. No came out, Bond got very dramatic just walking across a hotel room. You know, he'd be like, Bond, James Bond. Sure. You know, he'd be like, I gotta go check my mail. Do I have a message for Bond? He opens the menu. It was used every fucking time. You're not wrong. That's that's true. I was gonna say he put on a condom, but he never wore a condom. He just gave AIDS freely to everybody. But as as Lucy's trying to get back into the swing of her evenings or her evenings because she's a swinging evening kind of gal <laughs> uh when she's trying to get back into the swing of her life sure. carol her daughter is um maybe getting engaged to this guy and carol wants her to meet her boyfriend kind of get into the back get into her life like this is how you get normal we're going to take you out and get a makeover we're going to do all sorts. Because apparently sure. that's all women need back in the 60s to feel better yeah, about so her their mental. Yeah, so is helping her assimilate. Right. When you're mental ill, all you need is just a good makeover. That's, that's clearly how it is. So, what, did that bitch kill two people? Did you buy her a dress? Yeah. <laughs> you didn't buy her a dress? That's, that's what happens. Buy her a bitch a dress. Um, and, 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 and Bill, her, her, her boyfriend, Carol's boyfriend, comes over to me. Not fiancé. Yeah, Let's not be clear. Fi- yeah, yeah, that's the drama. But comes over to meet Joan Crawford and this is a weird scene now knowing how we know what happens at the end of the movie it's a 50 year old movie so you know fuck it uh, do you think the alcohol that she was being served was drugged for her to go from one to, I don't one, know. to 100 an instant or do you think when Lucy put on all her old get up from 20 years ago to try to recapture her youth from the you know the early 1700s do you think 
that she suddenly remembered who she once was and that's became like the big town whore because that's how I the impression was that I got she was kind of a party girl yeah like she drank you know? and smoked and she had those goddamn bracelets yeah which, she slipped into whore mode a little too easily right I mean, her bracelets have got to be um, a sound guy's nightmare on sure. this movie I mean it's like having that annoying jingle bell that people hang on their doors for Christmas absolutely but in both wrists yeah coming in at you at every sound cue every time she moves ching, 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 ching. absolutely you know it's like come on that was a, and you know there was an actress. Not choice. to mention, right? She's a hundred and shakes like she's got Parkinson's, <laughs> so it's nonstop. Especially when she picked up that axe. Yeah, when she's talking to Leo, the farm guy. Oh my god! And, and he's just like, "You ever seen an axe?" Like, yeah, she's seen one. Yeah, up close and personal. <laughs> and she's holding on to it. She starts shaking. She's like, <laughs> and "You're just like, what is she doing?" I mean, my fa- my favorite Bangley bracelet. Why is she shaking? <laughs> Oh, because she has Parkinson's got it. The knitting. My God, the yeah, knitting. Yeah. There's she, a 30 second knitting scene. Yeah, but she almost stabs our eyes out. Yeah. That's how bad. <laughs> she's and just she like, just shakes those fucking bracelets. But she's, yeah, the bracelets, the needles, and she's got a cigarette all in one hand doing oh, this. Yeah. And she's knitting and she's like, but I like to knit. It cal- she's like, it calms me. <laughs> <laughs> she's smacking her hand. You're like, that. that's very calming. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, that's when the doctor shows up to take her back to the asylum. Yes. And the doctor gets killed by a mysterious unknown shadow in the shape of Joan Crawford. Yes, in the exact shape. Of yeah, who uh, axes him a question. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> But yes, um there there's a, there's a couple murders in here of, you know, people in Joan Crawford shapes being killed and yep. uh, I did enjoy the scene. It, it's comical to me when Carol takes Lucy to her uh, uh, sculpting studio and, and she introduces her to all her friends. Yeah. She's like, I sculpt my friends, mother. And she like <laughs> pulls like a deer out and she's just like, look, I've sculpted this beautiful deer. And then then Joan Crawford comes over and like starts sticking shit on it. She's just like, I yeah. sculpted two in the asylum. And she's just like, <laughs> and they're fondling that picture that oh she's, God, she that sculpted her deer. mother. Out of like bronze. bronze. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, by the way, your whole fucking place, there's one Maltese Falcon for some reason, Blast. which is black. For, yes. and, I don't know. Yeah. Everything else is made out of clay. Then there's this bronze bust of her John mother. Crawford, yeah. Right. And, and, and she's just like, I made this for you, mother. And she says everything like that. I'm not doing it. I mean, I'm giving it a little comedic, <laughs> but she really does talk like that. Like, no, mother, you just need a makeover. Yeah. Have a drink, mother. I made it's it like for you. It's like Bizarro World. Yes, but not in the fun way. <laughs> I feel like the, like the director directed them away from normal human speech. Towards like it's not well Alien written. robot. Even for a B movie, this is kind of <laughs> not written well. It's bizarre. Because no one talks like that. Nobody talks like, yeah. I don't even think people talk like that in the 60s. I mean, I wouldn't know. Well, we would, you watch Mad Men, do they talk like that? <laughs> I do watch Mad Men. Because they have actual writers on Mad Men. <laughs> they don't talk like that on Mad Men. It, it is kind of just a weird scene when the boyfriend's there, because Lucy becomes horror Lucy in, like, 60 seconds. She, just, she tries to fuck him. Let's not beat around the bush anymore. But, like... She's she's like up on him. She's like, oh, Carol might think I'm trying to steal you away. And she's like pinching his ass. And you're just, you're watching. She's like, this is awkward. This is even awkward for us, the viewers. I can only imagine how awkward it is for Joan Crawford. Yeah. And having completed the film, 
There's no reason for it. But let's be honest. There's a lot of unnecessary scenes in this movie to get to that where we're going. That might have been a, a, a Joan Crawford edition. <laughs> that she gets the final a man yeah. 40 years her senior. Yeah. Her junior. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a movie. <laughs> 90-year-old so. Joan Crawford fondles a 120-year-old Chinese man. How come only Chinese people are 120 years old? Well, it's a lot of rice. And fish. But mostly the rice? I, I like rice. You Look, like. a, a, a billion <laughs> Chinese people can't be wrong. Ancient Chinese secret. Okay. You heard it here first. <laughs> Eat your damn rice. <laughs> I, I, I just... It's... I don't understand some of the motivations between some of the scenes of this. And granted, it's a, it's a B-movie, but yeah. even a B-movie still has to carry on the three-act kind of narrative. Yeah. I would hope. Sure. I mean, it did a little bit. I mean, okay. It's sloppy. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a slop, slop fest of a movie, and yeah. I loved it. Yeah. But it is weird, though. Not that... a lot of straight jacket. For a movie called Straight Jacket. Well, that opening way. shot of hers in the straight yeah. jacket, that was it. That rounds up the two times that it happened. <laughs> <laughs> the, the overlay. But, like, it's a strange kind of thing. The um, the, the farmhand, Leo, the farmhand guy. Sure. Like, he's played really weird. Like, on one hand, he seems competent in his job as far as... Butchering chickens, selling meat, and, you know, picking up the eggs for the farm. And he's on to some crime shenanigans. Right. He's hip to it. He's hip to it. So he's got some intelligence to him. He's repainting that car that he knows is the doctor. Well, this evidence to the contrary, because he's painting a car with a... With a paintbrush, that's which to me is hilarious. Like it was a picket no, fence. no. I saw it. Yeah, it's nor here nor there. <laughs> but then there's that scene when you know, you know, spoiler, Leo dies. That when they go into the freezer and he looks at his reflection, he gets like he looked at he the reflection. He looked at the reflection like my dog looks at the reflection too. Like she doesn't quite understand if that's her yes. or if there's another dog there. In a room that he clearly works in. Yeah, like, he played it like he knew what was going on in certain moments, and then he played, he went full retard in other scenes. Like, it was... Yeah. It was Pretty inconsistent. It, and, and I have to assume that that's just a directing slash script issue, because yeah. George Kennedy, who plays it, he's, you know, he's a decent actor in other things. I mean, granted, everybody has to start somewhere, you know, so this could be one of his earlier works, but he had a pretty good career of being a good actor later in life. So I have to fault others for this mistaken Buck character. Bucktooth. <laughs> but when when Leo gets killed, though, is your favorite shot of the movie, where it's clearly a mannequin. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Uh, that has his head cut off. It's a quick, what'd you say, two-second frame? Yeah, but that's that. the problem. Sometimes it's, it's they'll do, like, you'll get the, mo- you know, it's an editing trick. Right. You get the motion toward the actual person, then you cut, and then there's three frames Mm-hmm. Before the head slopped off, right? They cut two full seconds. So you have two seconds to digest this mannequin head. Yeah, before you're right. It gets That's hit. a mannequin head, and it's already separated from the body. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not even like a prosthetic mannequin. No, no, it's a mannequin. Like yeah. they, and it even sounded like a mannequin. When they, it, it, it didn't even like they didn't even like fully in some like squishy neck. Nope, it was blood. just like thump. It was like I, I can't even do it. Yeah. Let's let's try our foley. It was like. <laughs> I was like, 
I don't know how that sounded. Apologies but. to everyone who had headphones. That was him. <laughs> no more letters. Uh, it, it is. It is funny that that's, that was great. that was their special effect. Granted, 60, 64, man. They can't. Hey. There's not much. But you know, there are good movies happening. So sure. Sixty four. So I have to. Kubrick was making movies in the sixties. Something can be done. Let's not let's not blame the decade. I'm not blaming the decade. I'm just saying B movie, y'all. B movie. But I I think it's very funny that that he was surprised by his reflection, and that was really odd to me. You know, I almost I almost feel dumb. I feel like I didn't get it. His his portrayal? No, like that moment. I feel like in a movie where everything's telegraphed so strongly. Yeah. I feel like that must have meant something. That couldn't just be. It was really weird. It even was really for weird. this movie, it's really weird. I don't know. Um, and we're about to get even weirder, because uh, as 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 the final kicks in, uh, Carol wants Lucy to meet Bill's family because they're engaged apparently, but not Bill's engaged. not actually asked. Carol just assumed. When did you start thinking Carol was kind of cray? Um, was it her the first time she her, was like, her, "I have plenty of friends," and oh, then okay. showed her like clay sculptures of deer? Okay, so the fourth scene of the that film. Was, <laughs> that was the moment. Um, you, you get to the house and you find out that Bill's parents do not want Carol marrying Bill because they're from they're extremely rich. Uh, you know the, the the wrong breeding. You know the you know, the women of the Harbin clan. Wait, wait, wait. That's just, what I got oh, the impression. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, yeah. You do but, you disagree? No. Okay. But okay. I'm gonna defend the pompous rich people for a moment. Okay. Sure. The wasp need defending. <laughs> That bitch was crazy. Okay, <laughs> Joan Crawford. Yeah, but they didn't know and, how crazy she was. And they were right, weren't they? Yes, but they did not know how they. They no, were told. They they, 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 they were. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, we want some good genes for our family. Dad was a cheating man slut, and the wife was a murderer and insane. Person. But they didn't know that though at the time. Oh, they yeah, said they had some other lie. They said that she was just in a sanitarium. By the way, if you're gonna lie about where somebody was for twenty years, why would you make a, a shitty lie? Why don't you just lie? <laughs> well, I think they were caught on the spot. I think the final uh, argument is when Joan really her acting gets kicked up to three hundred. Is when um, the mom is like, "Well, we heard you were in a sanitarium," and she's just like, "That's a lie. I was in an asylum. It was hell." Hell, I tell you, and I'm not going to take it anymore, and I'm a strong, independent female. And she starts jumping up and down, and she's crying, and everyone... And, and I love the wasp are, like, holding each other, like, oh, this white woman's yelling, you know? <laughs> I think that's hilarious. Like, yeah. I, and then she runs out of the house, because that's what you do. And then she's, like, Joan on the lamb. And then she's yes. running through bushes. Which is my... Maybe my... I have so many favorite parts is the problem. <laughs> I, you know, so many favorite parts. She's running through the wilderness of... What looks the like the countryside of desert, and and and, yeah. and in the um the headlights of Bill's car go by her. Which how could you have missed her? And she it, ha- she would no 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 wait. I have to take okay, credit for okay, this. Okay, I knew right away. She's running down a dirt road like helplessly. <laughs> There's one bush in the shot, and I see the car in the distance. And by distance, I mean it's forty feet away. He clearly sees this woman in the middle of the road. But I see the bush. And I was like, oh, just put a branch in front of your face. Right. Cut to. 
putting a branch in front of her. Vince has a branch in front of her. Yeah, but, just, but it covers just her face, <laughs> and her, but her eyes are still there, right? The moneymakers are like, <gasps> oh, Joan. <laughs> and then that's when I suggested there was a follow-up film where it ends here, and then geriatric Joan Crawford is forced to survive in the wilderness by herself. Um, is it like, uh, uh, what was that movie with Alec Baldwin and Anthony Hopkins? Um the tagline was its jaws with claws where they're attacked by the bear. Is it Joan Crawford versus a bear? Can I see Joan Crawford fight a bear? I I just see Joan Crawford drowning small animals to eat. <laughs> like not breaking their neck, not shooting them with a bow and arrow or creating a spear, but like catching it and just drowning it. Because can't you see that? Can't you see Joan Crawford standing in a river drowning two beavers just like screaming at the heavens? <laughs> Tell me this isn't a great film I just made up. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Is it, how long would she last in The Hunger Games? She would win. Does it come down between her and J-Law? <laughs> I, I, my money's on 90-year-old Joan. Forget it. 30-year-old Joan? Don't even show up. Don't even show up. Cat does versus Mommy Dearest. That's a movie I mm-hmm. She'll beat her with a wire hanger. I, oh, put on pump. <laughs> Yep, that's that, that's. It was all there. It was an elephant in the room. Oh yeah, yeah, low hanging fruit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, okay. Well, we've done Mommy Dearest on the podcast. They can go back and listen to that. We've also done a few other things that we've mentioned here this evening as well. But yes, Mommy Dearest was one of our Mother's Day specials. Because you know, sure, why not? We'll just out with it at this point. Uh, you find out Carol's actually been the murderer the whole time. It's Carol the whole time. Um, this is weird. She made a prosthetic latex mask off the bus that she made of her mother to wear so that she would kill everybody. They would think it was her mother. Mm-hmm. Kick her back to the asylum. Even though, by the way, can I just say... Oh, go ahead. If The whole point was for her to get caught as her mother. Mm-hmm. She killed everybody in secret. That is true. <laughs> and tried really hard to get out. And Well... She was crazy. I don't... I, There's the trump card. There's the trump card. I'm not trying to be a dick. There's the trump card. Like, you know... Are you saying what the crazy person did didn't make sense, Brian? <laughs> a touche, my friend. <laughs> I, it's... It, maybe. Uh, I, I do think that is when you find out Carol was going to kill off Bill's parents so that he would get all the money and that they could live happily after sure. after being all rich and... Whatever, and then Joan just takes the mask, looks at it, gives it to Bill, and like walks off the house. Like, what have I done? Of course, because it's all about Joan. Like, it, it isn't about protecting her daughter. It's right. all about her at that at that time. And she walks outside and hugs the pole. Yeah, the column, like like a Corinthian column, <laughs> like fucking Gone with the Wind style. Falls down and weeps. And... She weeps so hard in that column. But she, I think that's Joan really weeping for her life. <laughs> I think she's just, this is Yeah, Leland think it's, it's an outtake. They think they were like, roll, fucking roll. Grab the camera right now, you son of a bitch. Load that film. <laughs> just roll. Like, just B-roll. Keep going. <laughs> you never know what she's going to do or break down, you know. But then there's an epilogue to the movie that after we, you know, fade out of her crying on the pe- the pole, <laughs> like most strippers, like she comes back. She, they always end up on the pole, don't they? <laughs> and and, and the, we we cut back to Joan talking with her her brother about Carol and how she was crazy and all that stuff. 
basically it's a full scene of exposition telling you the audience mm-hmm. what you just watched yeah again assuming that the audiences in 1964 did not understand the visual style of filmmaking to understand what we just watched now we have to break it down but okay so and this is where i have a problem but if you remember and even in psycho at the end of it when they're doing that slow zoom in on anthony perkins they're explaining what you just watched first of all but shame on you for comparing this to psycho (laughs) absolute shame this is the poor man's alfred hitchcock Bucktooth Bill? I never heard that. Is that what they say about him? Yeah, on the streets. <laughs> on the streets. <laughs> right now. Oh my gosh, I had no idea. I'm sorry. Kind of like M Night Shyamalan Ding Dong is the poor excuse of um, Spielberg. <laughs> well, no, he's a Hitchcock ripoff. Is he? Yes. Is he? Yes. I don't think Hitchcock had killer trees in any of his movies. That's why he's a poor man's Hitchcock. But if he did, though, <laughs> Hitchcock would himself have... himself as a cameo. That as, was a weeping Hitchcock. willow? <laughs> no, it was the wind. Wait, was it trees? It was plants and wind. It was the earth. The earth. It was not important. That's what it was. <laughs> what were we saying? <laughs> oh, yeah. The bitch became Columbo. So... <laughs> So now it's the point in the movie, like you were saying, where it's time to expel everything out right. for the toddlers in the audience. And instead of having the level-headed brother of Lucy mm-hmm. explain to Crazy Lucy what just happened, right. they decide to make Crazy Lucy the one who's figured everything out. Yeah, but but she's... One, it's she's no longer acting crazy whatsoever. Like she's completely in control. But that makes no sense. No, no. But I'm just giving the audience. If you're already a reference. crazy, and then found out your daughter was dressing as you and murdering people, that doesn't make you uncrazy. That makes you crazier. Doesn't? We will have to <laughs> ask somebody smarter than the both of us. <laughs> I'm fairly confident. Well, maybe that wouldn't solve the issues going on in her head. I, I think she had a lot of issues going on. In her I do head. too. Yeah. Bitch be cray. Yeah. But in an awesome, fun kind of way. But she does flip it over to... uh... To her credit, Joan is really... Even uh, Diane Baker, who plays Carol, they're both acting really, really well considering the drivel that is coming out of their mouths. Like, they know it's not good. Not good. But they know they're getting a paycheck. Mm -hmm. They're going to... They're working actors. And they're going to do what they have been brought on to do. And they do that successfully well. Now, I don't know if that means the movie was good or bad. That is for the audience to decide. I enjoyed myself tonight. Now, sometimes here on the Movie Issue Podcast, me and Spooky do a a six-pack scale. In the sense of how many beers would it take you to sit through this movie again? So I ask you, Brian... How many beers would it would you want to enjoy to to get through this film? I'm I'm gonna say six, and here's what I'm gonna here's why, because okay. I think I'm using the scale completely wrong. <laughs> six is a lot. <laughs> I'm saying full six, but only because there's a wonderful drinking game to be made out of this, and I'm gonna need six beers. Okay. All right, but that rationale, that you, you know what, you changed the, the game. <laughs> it's like, I don't think me and Spook ever thought about there's a drinking game involved. It was just straight up, how many beers do we need to drink right fucking now to get through Dungeons and Dragons, the movie? <laughs> Which, by the way, all six. But uh, I'm at a three, 
But now that you said there's a game involved, <laughs> you want the other three to play. <laughs> makes me change my answer. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I like games. <laughs> games are fun. Oh yeah, this. Um, if you like classic cinema, watch a classic cinematic film. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. We beat the shit out of it, but it's fun. If you if you're studying William Castle movies, this by far it should be one. You, I mean, he did like House on the Haunted Hill, The Haunting. That's kind of what he's known for is those kind of, you know, like I said, B movie scare zone sure. kind of thing. You know, if you're if you're studying old film in the sense of his films, then definitely check this one out because it's worth it. But if you're if you're a film student or if you just like to study old films and you want to watch Joan Crawford movies, watch Mildred Pierce. Watch what she got an Oscar for. I agree. This is this no. is not her her brightest no. her best movies are between like 1930 to 1948 like that good 15 to 17 years there i would say definitely check out mildred pierce it's it's one it's a fantastic movie it definitely is noir it like kind of it is the epitome of noir kind of like double anonymity anonymity <laughs> say, say it wrong all the time i don't wanna, i just want to be leland's word I, I own it but i don't know how to say it thanks <laughs> what is the word listen to me now i don't have words <laughs> it's word thing it's speaking hard but uh she did another movie called possessed that's pretty fun i've, I've watched a lot of these in film schools and film classes these were kind of all fun Hell, Betty Davis did a lot of these same kind of styles yeah, right. back in the... Hell, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane is about 50% amazing. When those two ladies are fighting on screen, it's amazing. The rest of the movie is Betty Davis having some weird thing with Victor Bruno. It is fucking boring as all hell. Especially because Victor Bruno goes on to play King Tut in the 60s Batman TV show. And it's really difficult for me to see him not as King Tut. So, like, she's sitting there singing and he's playing the piano and he's got the voice. And I'm thinking, <laughs> you're King Tut with Betty Davis. And that's a whole thing in my mind. Another great movie. King Tut? With Betty Davis. Oh, What? <laughs> no, that the actual King Tut with Betty Davis. She was not in a movie with King Tut. I'm saying that would be a good movie. Oh, I went, I'm with you now. <laughs> now we're together. I was, like, I was like, what? But I, on a whole, would you recommend this movie to anybody? It would have to be a specific audience. Would I, re- <laughs> would I recommend this to somebody looking? What depends what you're looking for. Would, would you make your girlfriend watch this? Yes, which absolutely. she'd probably want to she make a would face. Love it. She'd yes. probably make a face out of you and scare yeah. you. Although, I, if I did this, I'd have to. I would be committing to a week of her turning and shouting things at me. <laughs> so maybe I wouldn't. That's true. Because that's how things. If anybody that's, knows Monica, she just is looking for an excuse. But that's how you do now. It's just like yeah. spin, turn. I'll take the coffee macchiato. <laughs> <laughs> Try it out at your next visit to Starbucks. All right, well, if uh, th- th- that is going to be us for this week. I am, of course, Leland, here with my good buddy, Brian. Uh, uh, Brian. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> uh, DynastyFilms.com for all your production For needs. all your dynasty needs. <laughs> sure. Uh, you can reach us at movieissues at gmail.com, the Twitter, the Facebook, every all those social media bullshit that we all are addicted to that we don't want to be. So uh, that is us for this week. And... Uh, I'll be back next week with um, my normal little miser, and we will kick things into high gear with a whole new year of 2015. So, yay.